1: Welcome into a Wednesday morning live edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Nick Whalen back with Brandon Kravitz. Uh, Brandon, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, as usual, at some point this will devolve into a live listener Q and A. Uh, you know that's kind of become the the meat and potatoes of the pod, if you will, Brandon. And we, we enjoy all the the live questions. Uh, we'll get to those, you know, over the second half. Of the podcast. So feel free to you know throw those in the chat. We'll we'll hit those. Uh we'll include all the timestamps, you know, on YouTube and in the description so you can skip around and you know, kind of get advice on whatever players or teams you need. Uh, but Brandon, we had a huge in-season tournament night on Tuesday. Um, I want to get kind of an overall check-in now as we have reached the end of group play. You know, we have the the real thing coming at us next week, the semifinals, the finals in Vegas. Uh they're (laughs) a lot is still up in the air as far as like what the rest of the schedule is going to look like from a, like from a fantasy basketball perspective, it's super confusing to go over to like the NBA.com or ESPN.com schedule page. And it's just like blocks and blocks of TBD. Um, But, you know, overall, given what you thought the tournament would be when it was announced back in what July or August versus what it's been now at the end of November, has it been a success? Has it been a failure? Has it been somewhere in the middle? Like, where do you come in?
2: I think it's been a huge success. Well, we didn't expect anything too much from it. It really was going to come down to, are the fans into it and entertained? Check on that. Are the games good? That was right out of the gate. Uh-huh. They were good. And then this shouldn't be the most important part because you shouldn't have to convince millionaires that play basketball for a living to care about the games they play. But do the players care? Do they care about the tournament itself? And I think a lot of them, especially the, the higher-end stars, acted like, you know, I don't even know what this is. I'm confused by it, whatever. uh. But as the tournament tournament has gone along, as group play went along, we saw those guys. Now, all of a sudden, they ratchet up their intensity. I thought last night was such a win for the NBA where you had the Celtics running up the score on the Bulls and Joe Mazzulla has to go over to Billy Donovan and explain what he's doing. That's oh, I man. mean, that's something well, we're going to what- look back. There might be a 30 for 30 about this one day, and that clip is going to be in it. This is so in that way, it was a win. Did the Celtics go too far
1: on that? Because, you know, Billy Donovan, he kind of clarified after, I I think he understood, you know, it's not like he didn't know that it comes down to point differential. So I think he, he got what the Celtics were doing, but he said, you know, look, it was a step too far. You're up 30. You're you're specifically embarrassing Andre Drummond. he's like, it's one thing if you want to leave your starters in and try to score as much as you can get some stops, but to go to hack a Drummond in that situation, he felt like was a bridge too far. I mean, do you agree with that, or is it do whatever you got to do to get that differential?
2: If you're going after a differential, you got to do what you got to do. I agree. Uh, I completely agree. To points pile up in the NBA, you can never. If that's what you're going after, then then that's what you have to do. I I do think that as we get through one season of this, and I will disclaimer this. This is coming from a bitter Magic supporter who was screwed by differential. I don't think that games uh, or advancing in this tournament should be decided by point differential. We have to come up with a different way for exactly that reason. I don't think that the games should devolve into I'm trying to beat you by 30. I I think that that is it's not so much that that a team like the Magic who have been playing phenomenal get left out of advancing in this tournament. It's more of the issue of what we saw last night in that game where where teams are gunning for a certain number that's fun in an all-star game in the regular yeah. season i think it bastardizes the sport a little bit
1: bastardizes wow good word yeah, um you go. do you think you know do we get like a college football playoff situation here where you know five years from now or even two or three years from now this is expanded you know because of what you just said that you know the the tiebreakers and whatnot are a little convoluted and it doesn't quite seem fair uh you know, when you're dealing with such a small sample size right a four-game sample Inevitably, you're going to have ties all over the place. And I, I think that's maybe something that the NBA would want to address to have a cleaner way to decide other than point differential. I don't know what that solution would be off the top of my head, but, you know, obviously expanding the field would, would get more teams into this. Like two, three years from now, do you think we have 12 finalists in, instead of six?
2: Um, I eight? think uh, I, I'm going to hold out on definitively answering that question until we see how this next round goes. I don't think that we can look at restructuring the overall format of it Mm -hmm. until we get an idea of what it looks like when it's completely played out. If you take it too far, does it then eat into too much of the regular season? We're not even sure conclusively that this is a positive. I don't think we need more of it yet. I think let's just settle in on what we have in front of us. But one thing, if you wanted to stick with point differential, because throughout all of this, they've been trying to follow this international soccer model of group play where point differential does come into play when you're talking about group staging before you advance to knockout rounds. If you want to do that in the NBA, okay, but at least just limit it to point differential against common opponents. So, I mean, I'm only going to use this example because it's the one that I followed the most uh, most closely, but would be the, the Celtics, Nets, and Magic matchups against each other should be the only thing that determines who advances to the next round. What the Celtics do against the Bulls should be completely irrelevant to the situation. What the Bulls do against the Raptors should be irrelevant. So how much did the Magic beat the Celtics by? How much did the Celtics beat the Nets by? I think that you sh- if you're going to use point differential, it should be within a common opponent tiebreaker situation, not against... Everybody because yeah, okay. So you beat the Bulls by 30. What what is that right? What does that mean?
1: Yeah, I saw you know, I saw some complaining specifically from some Wolves fans on Twitter last night. You know, they're they're obviously the best team in the Western Conference right now. They did not qualify for the in-season tournament, and their argument was like, Look, we got we got Golden State, we got OKC, we got Sacramento in our group. Like, yeah, you got the Spurs, you could beat up on them, but uh, you know, the Lakers, for example, uh just lost by almost 40. To the Sixers the other night, they they went four and zero in their group, partially because they got Utah, Portland, and Memphis. You know, so, yeah. so good it is kind of the luck of the draw.
2: So uh, if your blowout if your now. blowout happens to come in in season tournament play, then you're screwed. That, that, that I just don't I don't, I don't like the way that it's set up yeah. in that regard. Uh, but I th- I do think I don't want point differential to be involved in it at all. I, I I don't really think that that's the best determining factor for who advances in this thing. But whatever, it's what we have right now, mm-hmm. and until we come up with something better. Or maybe play a fifth game where, yeah. you know, it's not. I don't know if that would make a huge difference either. At the end yeah. of the day, you could still end up with ties. But right,
1: yeah, I think you need a, a fairly you know dramatic jump in sample to avoid that. Uh, last thing I'll say in the a tournament, you know they they did kind of the March Madness style. Uh, if you were watching the TNT broadcast specifically last night of Bucks Heat, you know where you had all the like the score graphics on the top, which was actually pretty confusing because they had like five different scores. And it was all over the place. I think what they need is, you know, a, a live updating kind of like a table of standings as opposed to the game scores, because yeah. you, also, you basically need to have a second screen up referencing like, OK, what is each team's record here? What, what's on the line? Like there should be a little graphic, you know, kind of with that, like updates live, especially last night when it was basically all about point differential. um You know, like I, I think that would be more useful than just displaying the raw scores. Like I, I think yeah. you need kind of a, a little table for each group. And, you know, obviously you could if you're watching a game, because there are a bunch of games that started at like you know, 7 p.m. my time last night. There were like five or six games going on at once. I mean, you could have a live updating table and teams are kind of moving up and down within their group based on what happened. So, um, you know, I think overall you're, you're right. This has been a success. Like I I thought players would care way less about it. And, you know, Jimmy Butler sat yeah. out last night, probably could have played. That maybe says something about how some players feel about it. Uh, but in general, I, I think there are a few pretty minor tweaks the league could make to to just clarify, you know, some of the the logistical things uh, regarding the in-season tournament and that would go a long way toward kind of roping in the casual fans
2: I completely agree I I look at this through two different lenses one as a magic fan and somebody who works with the team from that lens I thought it was really easy to follow so from if you're just following one team in one group it's not that complicated but uh, the second lens I look at it through is as an NBA fan I love the league and that was hard to follow it was hard to keep track of everything that was going on. And so to your point, if they're going to do this and they're going to roll this out to their fans, they've got to do a better job explaining. It's not like this. Like, I hate saying that. Cause I feel like sometimes it comes across like, Oh, I'm just so confused by how this all works. Yeah. It's not that confusing. It's that it's, there's so much to keep track of with it. And it's new. They <laughs> should be beating us over the head. With yeah. how this works, how teams advance, and what matters, I think they could have done a better job.
1: Yeah, and more uh, informational videos, I guess, uh, voiced by Richard Jefferson. That might be the solution. <laughs> um, all right, before we talk Lamella Ball, we got a message from Underdog Fantasy. It's the number one platform for NBA best ball and DFS player pickup contest. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new Underdog users receive a first-time deposit bonus up to 100 bucks and a free six-month subscription to Rotowire. That is invaluable. All you got to do is use the promo code RWNBA. That's RW as in RW recorders, RWNBA. Visit underdogfantasy.com or download the underdog app today and use that code RWNBA to claim your free RotoWire subscription and deposit bonus. I played a lot on underdog this past weekend, mostly NFL contests, Brandon, and they do a good job. Um, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of DFS sites out there, but I think presentation wise, app wise, underdog is, is one of my favorites. Let's talk some LaMelo. I mean, this is just brutal news for my NFBKC team, which, you know, I, I don't I don't like to gloat early in the season, but I was I was in good shape here, Brandon. I, I, this is the best team I think I've had in this contest, and I've been doing it for five or six years now. And I knew what I was signing up for when I started Anthony Davis and LaBella Ball with my first two picks. I, didn't I remember you mentioning that. Like, you knew how this I, was going to end. The way the board broke down, I kind of had no choice. Like, I, I, I either had to play it. I would have kind of taken some, like, safe choices that I felt like didn't have enough upside. Like, that league, I'm trying to win it. Or like take last. I don't really care. You know, it's not one, it's not like the to wire Stake League where you just got to be in the top half of the standings. Like I, I want to win this thing. So I figured, you know, why not uh, throw caution to the wind, pair Lamelo with Davis. If anything, I thought AD would be the guy that we'd be dealing with an injury, you know, less than 20 games in, but Lamello, uh will miss quote extended time. Uh, no structural damage technically to his right ankle and foot, which is I guess a good thing, but they're calling it a severe ankle sprain. We don't really have a firm timetable. I mean, I'm bracing for, I I think what could be a month plus, right? Especially considering he he injured that same area of his body multiple times last season.
2: Yeah. I was actually at that game uh, where he went down in a heap. He was down for a while. Uh, You weren't sure just based on the way that he fell, if it was leg or if he had hit his head on the court. Um, And then when you saw him getting helped off to the locker room, he couldn't put any weight whatsoever on his ankle. Um, And that was the issue that he dealt with last year. So this is now becoming a serial event with LaMelo Ball and um, I think is problematic for his future. These Ball children just simply cannot catch a break. Alonzo uh, has been dealing with injuries all the way throughout his career yep. and it seems like LaMelo, I don't know if it's you know hereditary, if it's coincidence or... The way that they were brought up, I, I'm not going to speculate on that because their fathers. I, I, crazy. I think it was
1: the shoes for lazo That's my my personal theory. But you know, I believe Lamelo's been a Puma guy the last couple of years, right?
2: Well, this is not a good advertisement for Puma. Then I didn't even know yeah. Puma was still making basketball shoes, so this is news to me. But oh, this is making- yeah, not, not good. This. Is, I mean, maybe I don't know how long he's going to be out, but um, hard to have any confidence that he's not just going to go back out on yeah. the uh, on the injury report again in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, last nine games for Lamello, he got off of that terrible start shooting the ball. But then, I mean, he was one of the best players in all of fantasy for the last few weeks. 32 points, seven rebounds, almost nine assists, one and a half steals. 49, 44, 88 shooting splits over the last couple of weeks before that injury. So obviously devastating for me, devastating for anybody rostering Lamello. Uh, I would would like to say we got a, a representative sample last night of like, all right, what does this rotation look like post Lamello? and maybe we did. I mean, the, the Hornets got completely blown off the floor by the New York Knicks, which might be happening quite a bit. So maybe this is what the rotation will actually look like. Um, You know, I thought, you know, Gordon Hayward, I, I threw him out there in one of my lineups thinking, all right, no LaMelo, you know, maybe some more playmaking for him, some more opportunities. He did have six assists. He played 28 minutes, but just took just seven shots. Uh, That was pretty disappointing last night, although it's a good Knicks defense. Uh, You know, Miles Bridges even struggled. He's been fantastic lately. I, I do think you know, if, if one player benefits above all, it's probably Terry Rozier, who did not have a good shooting night last night. But um, you know, I think his usage will go up. And, you know, Brandon Miller has actually looked pretty decent as well. I mean, he, he led them with 18 points in 36 minutes last night.
2: Yeah, I think the most direct bump up would be Terry Rozier because he'll take over as a starting point guard. So, like you said, all of the usage, uh, he'll end up piling up numbers in that way. And he's a decent defender. Um, But Brandon Miller, I I think Brandon Miller looks the part. He looks more and more comfortable every time I watch him, and I think overall he's going to end up as the biggest beneficiary, especially if this injury is really long term. We're talking about a couple of months, you know. In the in in the immediate, it's Terry Rozier, but over the course of the season, if Lamelo Ball misses extended, truly extended time, Mm -hmm. um, Brandon Miller could end up becoming the star of this team and. Uh, you know, if he does pop off in that way, I don't I'm not saying he's going to win rookie of the year because he's got some pretty stiff competition right now. But um, I think that he's a guy that if he plays well enough, they could end up changing the, the sort of the, uh, the the direction of who re- who exactly are we building this team around? You know, and he's got that sort of potential. I love the way he plays.
1: Yeah, he's looked good, man. I, I actually thought he would struggle more than he has. Uh, obviously, didn't look good in summer league, but we've seen seen plenty of players, you know, play horribly in summer league and, and get it figured out. I don't think that's really much of a harbinger. But one fifty to one right now uh, to win Rookie of the Year. I mean, obviously, I think he would need an injury to probably both of Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren, who are neck and neck at this point. Brandon Wembanyama oh. minus one twenty five. Chet Holmgren has closed that gap. He's at minus one ten. Uh, you got Asar Thompson eighty to one. Miller fifteen or one fifty to one. And then, you know, Scoot Henderson, Jaime Hawkins, Jordan Hawkins right now as the the seventh lowest odds. So uh, it's a two man race. I wouldn't really recommend betting any of those long shots right now.
2: A Um, dollar, hey, a dollar on Brandon Miller won't kill you.
1: Look, I wouldn't be shocked if Wemonyama or Holmgren get hurt at some point. So, yeah, maybe, yeah, uh, maybe five bucks. Why why not? You know, if you're going to do it, make some money on this. all right. I want to talk about some, some players to consider dropping, uh, wrote, a, wrote a piece on, on Rotowire that also ran on Yahoo this week. Uh, but before we get to that, vivid seats, the NBA season is underway on behalf of our friends at vivid seats. Let's get one thing clear. Nothing, nothing. Brandon Kravitz beats seeing your favorite team, the Orlando magic crush it on the court to the sound of thousands of screaming fans, every dunk dribble and heart pounding play from your favorite team, live and in person, and because Vivid Seats is the only ticketing company where you can earn rewards, you can score amazing deals and unrivaled annual rewards on every purchase all season long. Plus, they have a hundred percent buyer guarantee, so you can be sure your ticket is as legit as your love for your team. Visit VividSeats.com or download their app today and use our promo code RotoWire for twenty dollars off your first two hundred dollar purchase. That's R O T O W I R E RotoWire. That'll get you twenty bucks off your first purchase of at least two hundred dollars. Download the app or visit vividseats.com. Vivid Seats, experience it live. I I went to the Bucks game this past Friday, and we had a big group of people. Some of them bought their tickets on on a another app, not Vivid Seats. That will remain unnamed, and they were not allowed into the game because the seats were somehow like, they were either like not delivered or they were like kind of bogus tickets. So use Vivid Seats. Avoid that. They, uh, wow. that group of people had to purchase standing room only tickets and could not sit with the group. So
2: let that, that means they had the lesson. double purchase tickets. That's not <laughs> I think, I think they, the
1: yeah. I don't want to give any credence to this other site, but I think they got refunded at least, but it was a, it was good. an entire debacle. They missed the start of the game. I mean, could you imagine not seeing Kyle Kuzma introduced before a, a Bucks game at Pfizer Forum? I mean, just a, What's a brutal the experience. point at that so, point. Yeah, my point is use vivid seats. Um, all right, Brandon. I, I mentioned, you know, I wrote that piece. We we do this each week for for Yahoo and, and we run it on RotoWire. Uh just kind of breaking down players to consider dropping. And the, the caveat here is, you know, I'm not writing up somebody who's like 5% owned or even 20% owned. Right. It's, it's guys who are, you know, tough decisions, essentially. It's like, all right, I'm putting your back on the line, Nick. Right. I'll I want to add down. Jaime Hawkes, I want to add Isaiah Joe. I want to add Dario Saric, but maybe I'm in a 10 or a 12 team league. Who's, who's a, a player that I might not feel great about dropping, but you know, you can make a case to do it anyway. Um, I'll run through my list and, and we could talk about a few of these guys. I think they'll be relevant to to a lot of people listening and and you know maybe even some of the questions we get in the chat. I want to start with Gary Trent, and this is uh, this is like year three of me going through this with Gary Trent. like I, and of course, I, I dropped him in two leagues after I probably should have done so like two weeks ago and then he you know had one of his better games of the season last night for Toronto. I just I, I can't do it anymore with Gary Trent, man. like the steels are starting to dry up. you know, he was a guy who was like pretty consistently, Steal and a half, if not more, per game. Like he's under a steal per game now. This season, the field goal percentage is a huge killer in Roto leagues. Like he'll give you it will give you some volume scoring, but he also is, you know, prone to shooting 30% over a two week span. And, you know, weirdly enough for him, like he's he's obviously very three point reliant, and that's gonna drag down the field goal percentage, but he's under sixty percent at the free throw line as well this season. Like that that's been just a dramatic fallout for a guy who's been a pretty decent free throw shooter.
2: Yeah, he's a, he's a guy that I thought would be a hot trade candidate, but he hasn't really been playing himself into that discussion, and it was a guy that was brought up a lot last year as well. I just noticed that this has been the case. It, there seems to be something in the water in Toronto. You know, we were down on Pascal Siakam at first to start the year. It was all about Scotty Barnes. Now, Scotty Barnes, it's not like he's bad, but he's not what he was to start the season, uh, and and we haven't seen Gary Trent Jr. really go off at any point. I, I You know, you look up and down, the game log is – He just doesn't have a string of success yet this season. And so, yeah, if you need to make room on your roster, I'm with you. It was one of my takeaways. And I I read this article. You did a great job with it. Um, I agree with almost 100% of of your article. So I was like, where can I push back on Nick a little bit? I, I don't have a lot. I thought you brought up some really good points.
1: It, it was tough to write, man, because like I, you know, I, I tend to be very cautious, especially if I'm like giving advice to other people, you know, where it's just like, I don't want to,
2: yeah, you, you know, don't want to screw fear, other people over. Yeah.
1: Your fear is like, yeah, drop Andrew Wiggins. And then he, you know, reels <laughs> off like three 25 point games in a row. But I, I think I, I did my best to make a, a strong case. And, you know, Gary Trent last year, like I had him on a bunch of teams and it actually went pretty well. Like he had, you know, 25 game span in the middle of last season where he averaged 21 points per game on 45, 39, 90 from the field. So like there, there's proven history of Gary Trent having those runs and he'll probably have them again at some point this season, but it's just it, field goal percentage has been a problem for me in, in a few leagues and like having him just, you know, it's, it's such a drain on that category specifically, like even, even nights where he gives you, you know, 19, 20 points. It's a lot of like, you know, five of 14 shooting and things like that. So Gary Trent made the list pretty easily. Um, You know, Wiggins, I mentioned he, as of yesterday, when I wrote this up, he's still 68% rostered in Yahoo leagues. And I, I get it. Uh, But at the same time, you know, there's just not a lot of positive indicators. You know, there was a story uh, Kendra Andrews uh, wrote for ESPN yesterday that noted that the the people inside the organization in Golden State are, quote, annoyed at his lack of conditioning. Uh, I don't know how that happens. Like, I feel like Andrew Wiggins has never been somebody we've had to question the conditioning. But there's still that, you know, that weird absence last year uh, that nobody really knows exactly what happened. And, And if you read that piece, it sounds like even the Warriors aren't really sure why he missed so much time. And I, I I don't I just I don't know if we're gonna look back on that and say man like Andrew Wiggins was just never quite the same after whatever happened last year.
2: Or yeah, I mean it could be a conditioning issue, and and maybe that's on him. Maybe that's just uh, something that's going to take time. I'm assuming that you wrote this article prior to him scoring 29 points, getting 10 rebounds, and shooting 61% from the field. I think that that, that is
1: exactly right, yeah. and that is my fear in telling people to drop Andrew <laughs> Wiggins because then he goes 11 of 18 last night for 29. So yeah. Yeah, but I mean that's been a, that's been a huge outlier, right? I mean, prior to last night, I think he'd only scored twenty points twice on the year. Yeah, you, you Maybe, go back
2: to about ten days ago, thirty-one points against the uh, Thunder. That was in an yeah. overtime game, um, so he played really well there. But outside of that, you haven't really seen a lot. I, I, I'm not surprised at all to see the percentages of him being rostered because he he's still a big name. People want pieces of the Golden State Warriors, and he's one of the biggest stars that they have and so when you have the when you have the brand value you're you're always going to get a longer leash and it seems like that's what fantasy managers are giving to Andrew Wiggins I'm not in a I mean now it's easy for me to say this I didn't have to write an article and then he drops 29 but I'm not in a rush to drop him yeah just because just because you know what he can do yeah there's 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 only one other guy on the list that I'll, I'll push back on
1: Yeah. Well, last thing I'll say about Wiggins is it's really just points and rebounds at this point. Um, So even, you know, even on the nights when he's scoring, like he's still, he's still probably a better real life player than, than a fantasy player. Uh, It's kind of a two category guy. We'll see if the shooting comes around. I mean, free throws, if you're in a category league, that's always been an issue with him, but um, you know, the the free throw shooting has gotten even worse. Who else, who else would you push back on from my list?
0: And
2: I understand you adding him to it. uh, But I still think better days are ahead for Ben Matherin, and I'm not willing to put him on the wire and have somebody else pick him up. I mean, you brought up the obvious points that if he's not scoring at a high clip, what else is he really giving you? But we saw it last year. He's completely capable of this. And you're talking about an offense that is at the top of the league in scoring. And a guy who has the ability to be a Sixth Man of the Year candidate, he did that in his first year in the NBA. I think this is a sophomore slump right now that he could break out of at any point, and I want to make sure that he's on my roster. So even it's even though it's sort of an ankle weight right now, he's just not a guy that I'm willing to throw back out there.
1: Yeah, understandable for sure. Um, You know, I I think the biggest thing that stood out to me is the lack of minutes. You know, it's like I I thought Ben Mather could take a pretty big leap this season, and, you know, it feels like, you know, Indiana's scoring, like, 135 every single night, and for whatever reason, he's just not a big part of it. Um, You know, compared to last season, like, he averaged almost 29 minutes per game as a rookie, and he's at, like, 24 minutes a game this season. Like, I, I don't care how much of a microwave scorer you are. Like, you're just going to have a tough time being fantasy relevant if you're, you're kind of only a points guy, and you give a, a few rebounds here and there. Like, that's about it with Batherin. The three-point shooting was pretty bad last season and has remained uh, hovering around 32%. Um, You know, if you're only playing 24.6 minutes per game, it's going to be difficult. And the other thing, Brandon, I mean, his free throw rate has basically been cut in half. I mean, that that was, I think, something that was really underrated. And one of the reasons that I I thought Matherin could take a big leap this season is like, you don't have, you don't have a lot of rookie guards come in and average like six free throw attempts per game. That's very rare. Um, And he's down to 2.9 per game this season.
2: Yeah, uh, I also would consider that a guy that we've talked about a lot as being a trade candidate and Buddy Heald. Maybe that opens up some more minutes for Ben and and We don't know when something like that could happen. We're already at the end of November. Trade deadline's in February. That'll be here before we know it. I just think better days are ahead. But, yeah, you you do have to be concerned when he – I mean, he can shoot at at a low percentage on any given night. And, um, and he's certainly not giving you a lot in terms of the defensive stats, the stock, the stocks, so to speak. Um, but he's, he's a tremendous talent and right now is going through a rough stretch. I, I can just see it now, three weeks from now, we're talking about hot waiver, waiver ads to to target and it's, Hey, look, who's back. Ben Matherin.
1: Yeah. I mean, based on how some of my leagues are going this season, maybe just, you know, read this article as like a waiver pickup instead of, instead of players to drop, just go and pick up all these guys and you might be better <laughs> off. Uh, Dyson Daniels was somebody that I mentioned. He's down to 32% rostered, so he's a little bit below the threshold uh, of some other players on the list. Obviously, you're you're rostering him for for the steals first and foremost. You know the assists and the rebounds have been nice. He has at least one steal in 15 of 18 games so far this season. I I am very curious to see what their rotation looks like tonight. New Orleans is in action; they're home for the 76ers uh, because they're they're getting C.J. McCollum back, which is massive. Trey Murphy is listed as doubtful tonight. I highly doubt he'll play, but I mean, he could be back. I think they play Friday against the Spurs. Um, so we might not get a full representative sample tonight, but once both of those guys are back in the mix, I think Dyson is still in the rotation. I don't think he's approaching, you know, 28, 32 minutes most nights. So I, I would feel pretty comfortable. You know, if, if you rostered him for the last month, you probably got the best stretch of the season for him.
2: Yeah. I I think the, um, the windows closed, and, and it will be interesting to see how many minutes do you give to C.J. McCollum as far as tonight goes, a guy that's coming back from a collapsed lung. Credit to him for making his way back as quick as he did with an injury like that. Missing 12 games is a lot. But when you're talking about a collapsed lung, it feels like a drop in the bucket. Um, I By the way, my best bet tonight, and the line has already moved, took the Sixers at minus one and a half. Love every second of it. Yeah. I this was one of my one of my staples when you and I started this podcast. I ran down my list of things I look for when betting. When stars are reinserted into a lineup, especially yep. if that team's been playing well, it tends to ruin chemistry, and and people can't wait to bet the team that's getting the guy back. But it doesn't always work like that. It takes a minute, and uh, this, this group had actually been playing well together. Adding CJ McCollum back to the mix, and we don't know that he's getting full minutes either. Right. against the 76ers team that covers the spread as well as anybody. So if you're looking for a little action tonight, maybe you can tell me on that.
1: Yeah, and if you want a full betting breakdown of every slate, myself, Alex Barutha, we're on SiriusXM NBA radio at 7 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, breaking down every game, giving out our best bets. Uh, one of mine last night, Brandon, was a, a nice little player prop parlay. We had, we had cat over nine and a half boards, which hit no problem. OKC is a terrible rebounding team. All we needed was two three-pointers out of DeAndre Hunter. It went one for six. One for six. Ugh. Ugh. We got the attempt. That is you know, painful. We, our heart was in the right place. But, uh, yeah, nevertheless, check that show out on SiriusXM. You can listen to it back on the SXM app as well. Um, all right, Brandon, let's, let's hit the last read here, then we'll get into some listener questions. I also want to talk about you know some of the, the fantasy MVPs of the season and, and talk about a, a great page on Yahoo where you can look at basically which players are highest rostered on the teams that are doing the best this season. Uh, But we got a message from Rival Fantasy, LeBron versus Jordan, Magic versus Bird, Barkley versus McHale. Basketball is synonymous with legendary player rivalries. They make the game more fun, and they give fans storylines that raise the stakes every time those players meet on the court or come up in conversation. Now, every matchup and head-to-head debate can be settled on Rival Fantasy. This NBA season, you can play challenges where you decide which NBA player will score more fantasy points in their next game. You can play the Rival Fantasy in-house challenges or create your own and get a friend in the mix with customizable social challenges join rival.com/rotowire that's where you can sign up you can get a $200 deposit match get in on this right now before we get too deep into the NBA season that's join rival.com/rotowire it's time to step up to the challenge on rival fantasy we will see you in the arena um, all right so i mentioned that that MVP's page over on yahoo which is a tool that they have for for you know fantasy baseball fantasy football as well And, you know, it basically says, all right, the best teams, I think they take, you know, like the the top 10 or or 20 percent of the best performing teams. And you can sort by by Roto or head to head to get a better gauge. And they say, all right, you know, what percentage rostered are certain players that are making these teams so good? Unsurprisingly, Brandon, Tyrese Maxey is rostered on 28 percent of the top performing fantasy teams on
2: Yahoo. Not surprised by that at all, just based on where he was drafted and he was he was pushed down because of the James Harden presence and he was a steal for those that invested in him as if he was going to be the number two to Joel Embiid. you didn't have to pay that price. That's the reason why he ends up so high on a list like this because you got Maxie. Just think about who you were able to draft prior to even adding him to your roster. So that one makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, that was not surprising at all. I mean, that's still a, a pretty stunning percentage. 28% is extremely high. After that, Brooke Lopez, 21.2%. And Tobias Harris, 20.8%. Very quietly having a, a great Roto League season.
2: Yeah, that one surprised me. Um, I I don't know exactly where that one's coming from. But the Brooke Lopez, uh, th- th- him being towards the top of this list, I think tells an interesting story where if you're not getting Jokic or Embiid, in terms of the center position, then you're, you're probably waiting. You're better off waiting until a very specific point in the draft to target center, because you need to load up at these other positions. And if you're able to get uh, a value in terms of your big, then you're going to have a leg up. I think that's the reason why when you scroll down the list, you don't have to go very far right. before you see guys like Vooch and Valanchunas and Mark Williams um, and, and Brooke Lopez because of the season he's having is at the top of that list.
1: Yeah. He's inside the top 25. If you go by total value, you know, obviously somebody hasn't missed any time yet Uh, per game value. He's still inside the top 40 doing large parts of the blocks, right? I mean, you see for a big man who plays a ton of minutes, it's always a weird stat line. Like he doesn't rebound at nearly the rate that you would think he's only at about five boards per game. Uh, Doesn't really pass all that much. 1.3 assists, but uh, just under a steal per game at 2.8 blocks per game, 50% from the field. Uh, giving you almost two three-pointers as well. So I I had big concerns coming into the year about, you know, will Brooke Lopez hold up for a second straight season? Like, he had back surgery two years ago, and I I felt like last year was the best, best best-case scenario. I Like, what did he play, like 75, 77 games? Uh, I I thought they'd be a little more cautious with him, but we also have seen, I mean, Milwaukee, they absolutely need Brooke Lopez on the floor defensively. I mean, if he misses any stretch of time this season, that could be disastrous for a defense that's already struggled.
2: Yeah, he's – he. You know, low-key, one of their MVPs, and I think Milwaukee has started to put it together. But he's been the constant uh, all along the way, and uh, amazing at his age that he's not dropping off. He's like the Travis Kelsey of the NBA at this point.
1: He just keeps getting better and better, man. I mean, he had yeah. 39 uh, the other night when I was in the house uh, against Washington. You know, there's a few interesting names on this list, like D'Angelo Russell is ranks pretty high. You know, he's rostered on 15% of the best Yahoo teams. That was one that
2: stood out to me too. How is is it because he shoots a high percentage from three? That's the only thing (laughs) I could put together.
1: Yeah. That one, I mean, I guess maybe he was going so late in drafts that, you know, if you got, if you got him around pick 100 and he's been like a top 75 guy, uh, you know, you're getting some pretty serious value there, but I still don't feel like he's been that good. Austin Reeves making the list too. uh, That that's pretty surprising. I mean, he's got it together somewhat like the percentages are starting to come around, but it doesn't feel like Austin Reeves, is having the you know kind of post-contract breakout that we thought.
2: Yeah, and a couple of the names that weren't towards the top of the list surprised me as much as anything. Uh, you have to scroll down pretty far to find Asar Thompson, who's been a yeah. revelation in, in the category scoring format. There was another name that jumped out to me as well. I'm blanking on it right now. Oh, Tyrese Halliburton, only right.
1: 12.4%. I think the thing with, with Halliburton is he was going so high that he's just kind of performing – As expected, right? I mean, he's not, he's not raising the
2: level of your fantasy squad. He's just,
1: yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, for the most part, it's like, these are guys that are well outperforming their ADP as opposed to guys who are beating it. But then, you know, you got SGA who's 18%, you know, rostered on, on these successful teams. Chet Holmgren, 21%. That makes sense as well.
2: Some of this stuff, I think, does tell a story, and then with others like SGA being at eighteen percent and Tyrese Halliburton being at twelve, I think is more random than anything else. Yeah. But yeah, when you see Chet Holmgren towards the top, there's that that uh there's real value and substance in that. Tyrese Maxey at number one, yeah. um, Jalen Johnson, who's not too far down the list, Scotty Barnes, those guys, those seem to be the difference-making yeah. players. But some of these other guys that um, are at the top or, or, or like Jokic being at 14%. I mean, that's certainly not hurting your uh, your fantasy team.
1: All right, let's get into some live listener questions. Uh, our guy, Freaky, always a staple on the streams. He asks, guys, I got to drop two of these players I drafted uh, on a three punt. Tyus Jones, Bruce Brown, Scoot Henderson, or Klay Thompson?
2: I got to drop two. Man, I want to hold on to Scoot Henderson so bad.
1: Well, so it's also relevant here that he's, if I'm reading this correctly, he's punting threes. So I like, obviously, Clay to me is kind of the outlier, but if you're, if you're punting threes, that becomes a little bit more palatable. I would try to trade Clay as opposed to dropping him though.
2: Yeah. I think I would, I think I'd let go of, well, if, if you get to punt threes, maybe Scoot Henderson, you hang on to him, hang on to Tyus Jones stubbornly. I guess Bruce Brown and Clay Thompson. As crazy as that sounds.
1: Yeah, specifically because you're punting threes. I, I don't I think Klay's gonna come around at some point. I, I, you know, I, I, he's not that old. I don't think he's completely fallen off a cliff yet. And you know, Bruce Brown's played better of late. I mean, he was pretty rough to begin the year, but you know, the steals have really come around. He's got multiple steals in four straight games. The assists are, are starting to climb as well. He's at twelve uh three and a half boards, three assists, one point seven steals, uh, with pretty good percentages. Over his last six, you know, not really giving you a whole lot from three, but that's you know not really what you're you're banking on uh, when it comes to Bruce Brown, anyway. So he's been to me about as expected. It's a pretty tough choice. I mean, we get a ton of questions, Brandon, about Tyus Jones and and really the Wizards in general. It, you know, it's it's been really up and down. You know, in that Milwaukee game, Tyus Jones, twenty two, seven and seven with a steal. Like that's kind of what we thought we would get a lot more often yeah. this season. But and of course, you know, one night later, four points, four assists in twenty four
2: minutes. Uh, you mean, who knows? Maybe better days are ahead for the Washington Wizards. I'm going to see them at the Amway Center tonight so I can give okay. you the full report of uh, what that team looks like in yeah, person. Yeah,
1: if you could get in there and ask Tyce Jones, like, hey, what's going on with your fantasy performance? Yeah, fan? We yeah. need a little more out of you. Uh, that'd Getting be a, a lot of discussion.
2: questions about you, bud. <laughs>
1: uh, Ian asked, all right, nine-category league, he's got to choose one of these three, Keontae George, Scoot Henderson, uh, or it says Keontae George and Scoot Henderson, uh, or I Strauss, I assume it's Max Strews, um, so basically, would you prefer the the George slash Scoot side of this or Max Strews?
2: Um, I think I'd go with Max Struess. Just give me the just give me the better player with a high shooting uh, that's good from three.
1: Yeah, I mean, Keontae George, I, I'm starting to come around. I was not really a believer early on. You know, it was kind of just the assist that you were chasing there. And, um, you know, he's he's starting to play more minutes. He's starting to do a little bit more outside of that. You know, he's at 14, four and six over his last seven games. Uh, He's just, you know, he's going to kill you in the percentages, uh, much like Scoot Henderson. So, and especially with this being a nine cat league, like Scoot's going to be a high turnover guy. He hasn't been already. I don't think that's really going to change. I mean, Portland in general is just a high turnover team. Um, So in nine categories specifically, I think I would lean Struis because, you know, both, both Scoot and Keontae George could shoot under 40%. They could both be you know, three, four turnover per game guys. And I think that's going to hurt you more than it's going to help you.
2: I mean, look at some of these percentages for Max Strus. There's just not a lot of guys in the league that are giving you this with the volume mm-hmm. that he's shooting from three, 43%, 44%, 43%, 50, 50, 33, 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, re- those are really good numbers. And if, so if you're chasing, um, you're chasing category scoring, you need that. Um, right. yeah, he's been playing really well.
1: Uh, All right. Our guy Mal says nine category league. Should I drop Brogdon or Bogdan Bogdanovich? Um, He said he's punting field goal and free throw percentage this week. Uh, I know the percentages for Brogdon haven't been great so far. So that's, that's a little relevant, but I don't think for either of these guys, you know, you're, you're necessarily all that worried about, you know, short-term field goal and free throw percentage. Uh, This is, this is an interesting one though. I mean, Brogdon, Rodney continues to play pretty well as kind of the the elder statesman uh, you know of this this Portland Trail Blazers team. You know, the counting stats have, have been there for the most part 18, 4, and 6. Uh, you know, he's averaging his most assists per game since his first year in Indiana back in 2019-20. Uh, but he issued 41% from the field. So that's been the one drawback. Uh, do, do you have a, a strong lean one way or the other here?
2: Yeah, I mean, you'd expect more defensive stats from Brogdon being the defender that he is, and he's not really giving that. Maybe that corrects itself. Maybe the problem is that he's on an island in Portland, but I would still go Malcolm Brogdon here. I mean, as yeah, far it, as the player I'd want to keep on my roster, I know they were asking who they want to drop. Right.
1: I mean, it's, it's been a debate because you could argue that Bogdanovich has been just as good, if not better, over the last couple of weeks. I think, you know, with, with Jalen Johnson going down, you're immediately thinking, all right, Sadiq Bey, DeAndre Hunter, but I think there's been some trickle down to Bogdanovich as well. I mean, he's averaging almost 20 points per game over his last eight, not doing a whole lot outside of that. Like he is giving you over a steal per game, but not really rebounding all that much, you know, not really giving you any assists. So kind of depends what categories you're targeting. He has been shooting a ton of threes. I mean, he's taken, he's taken 10 or more threes in five of his last eight games. So if that's a category of need for you this week, uh, I, I would look into that when it comes to Bogdanovich and schedule wise, Yeah. The Hawks play the Hawks play Thursday and Saturday and the Portland trailblazers, the rest of the week, they play Thursday and Saturday. Uh, So (laughs) about the same. I mean, that's, that's really close. I I think I would probably give slight lean to Brogdon as well. Uh, All right. Ian asks, I have KD and Kawhi. I'm worried about their rest of season health and might cause me to lose any advice if I can flip them and who I should be targeting. Um, Yeah, this is a question that we get a lot and something that we've, we've talked about on a a bunch of pods. Like I, I feel the same way. I mean, for the most part, I just, I don't draft KD uh, or Kawhi. I had Kawhi on one team last year and it actually went okay. You know, considering how many games he missed, like he was so good when he played that it it kind of made up for it, but I understand the concern. Um, I I think you and I talked about this last week. Like, do you, you know, who, who are like realistic targets, I guess, if you feel like, all right, I got, I got a great 20 games out of KD, but I think he's going to miss 20 at some point. Um, you can get, you should be able to get just about anybody, right? I mean, there's a yeah, list right. of maybe. And we talked like about the,
2: Tyrese He's at 28% in terms of the most successful teams in fantasy. Yeah. Can you, can you flip him for, for a Maxi?
1: I, I think, yeah. Somebody like that, Maxi. you know, you could, you could look at like Scotty Barnes. I mean, you could even, you could try to do, I don't know, Donovan Anthony, Mitchell. Yeah. Somebody Anthony to-
2: Edwards, you could strike, you know, strike all the irons hot. Anthony Edwards took a tough spill last yeah. night, but he should be okay. Right. So he's a guy you could target.
1: Right. I would I would throw out a ton of offers. I mean, you might be able to get might be able to get Jason Tatum even. Uh, like I would much rather have him. I know Durant's been the better fantasy player this year, but Tatum has a vastly better track record of health. You know, Trey oh, Young is, is another time. guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you should be able to do okay there. And he, he follows up and says, All right, you know, would you do Durant, Kawhi, and Brogdon for SGA, Cam Johnson, and Hero?
2: And yeah, I, I'm not I, want, to I really do that. want
1: SGA for sure. Yeah, but packaging Kawhi and KD, like I think I'd rather try to sell those guys in separate deals.
2: Agreed, completely agreed. I think you're you're bringing on a great player. You're you're, you're kind of your mindset's your head's in the right place here, but I think you're going a little bit too hard in the paint to use a basketball reference.
1: Yeah, or a walk a flock of flame reference as well. <laughs> um, all right, uh, we have a <clears throat> a self described noob question from Love Eon. The noobs. Says my first year in Roto, if my player has a game and I put him in my active slot, but he's a DNP, so he either doesn't play or he's hurt, does it consume a game at the position? I think so. It depends on your league, right? Like if you're doing, if you're in a weekly league and you know you put, let's say you have Lori Markin in your lineup on Monday and he didn't play, he's locked for the rest of the week, right? Unless you have a league where, like the NFBKC, for example, you could set another lineup that that runs from Friday to Sunday. Uh, but most leagues, you know, that are weekly, if that if that if that player doesn't play, he's still in your lineup for the week. You can't remove him; it, it counts as like a an, an active game. If you're in daily lineup leagues, obviously you, you can get him out of there. Um, I, I assume he might be asking about like leagues that have game limits per week. I that's super league specific. I'm not really sure. I I would I think it does count though.
2: I would think so. I mean, either way, if the player is in your starting lineup and the lineups lock, whether that's for the week or for the day. Then that that player's taking up that spot, even if they they're a DMP. And this is the frustrating part of fantasy props betting in the NBA. It's something you have to deal with, and you have to wrap your head around for the, through the course of the season. You might not find out until they do the player introductions. Yeah,
1: it does feel like it's gotten a little better compared to last year. <clears throat> Am I wrong on that? Like, I felt like at this point last season we were already up in arms, and it was like, man, this is playing fantasy basketball is just a, it's just a—it's—it's a losing game if you're in a weekly lineup league. It's been a disaster. Like, I, I do feel like—I don't know if it's by virtue of the in-season tournament or not. I would say probably not that we haven't—we haven't seen as many teams, you know, go into the extremes when it comes to rest specifically.
0: Mm,
2: I do remember last year being pretty problematic. Last year was. Oh, so it doesn't like feel seconds, that. So it's it either either we've become desensitized to it or it has gotten better. Mm-hmm. I don't know which is true. Any
1: update on the Jeremy Sohan injury? I have not seen anything today or yesterday. Uh, you know, Sohan exited Sunday against Denver with what they just said was knee soreness. It uh, was ruled out for the rest of that game. I, I'm not really sure. Kind of a unique situation because they they were off Monday. They were off yesterday. They're off tonight. And then they play Thursday against Atlanta, and they they have a back to back Friday at New Orleans. So, my, we'll we'll get news today. Um, but you know, it's kind of like the NFL. Like if a team plays on Monday night, you're always like you know uh, a day behind on the injury report. So they're not really going to say anything on Monday when the game's not until Thursday. But we should we should get an update. You know, the NBA mandates that we get an update at some point today on Sohan. Uh, but the fact that it's knee soreness as opposed to like you know him going to the ground with like a true knee injury. I you know maybe maybe he misses these next couple of games. I don't think it would be long term.
2: No, uh, I I don't see how. Especially if I mean, he he didn't have a serious knee injury last year. I think that's when you look at a soreness injury and you can say that that's going to keep him out for an extended length of time. I believe that that's the actual diagnosis for Markel Fultz right now is knee soreness. Um, so. It, it, but he's a guy who came off of a serious knee injury. I don't think Sohan's dealing with that. Well,
1: what, let's talk about Fultz, by the way. What is what is going on there? Yeah, you know, we, we get a ton of questions question. about Markel Fultz. Do you have do you have any insight beyond you know the basic injury reports?
2: Um, I can tell you that he is. Uh, I saw him running stairs the other day in the arena. So it's not like he can't move. Um, it's an injury maintenance thing. Um, I. Uh, honestly, I have no idea what the timeline is, but he looks good to me, and my guess is he's going to make his way back soon. I think we went, I think we see Wendell Carter Jr. back in the starting lineup before we see Markel Fultz, but just guessing, I'd be surprised if we went another full month without Fultz in the lineup.
1: All right, interesting trade question here uh, from our, our guy James. Jeremy, Jeremy Grant and Jordan Clarkson for John Collins and Anthony Simons.
2: Hmm. I think I'd rather have the first end.
1: Yeah, this is, this is a really even trade. I, I was kind of leaning the other way because I I think I want Anthony Simons most, uh, you know, John Collins has been about as expected. He's been extremely consistent if nothing else, right? I, I actually kind of thought he might have an opportunity To take a bigger leap, but unfortunately, the shot blocking may never come back. And part of it is he's you know basically playing the three in Utah, so he doesn't have as many opportunities. But you know, I guess we're we're now talking like four years ago. He was a one point six blocks per game guy, and you know now he's half of that this season. You know, not really giving you any steals. He's under an assist per game, so you're really just targeting him for points, rebounds, and threes, which which is fine. You know, shoots a good percentage as well. He's over forty percent from three. Uh, Jeremy Grant fairly limited as a fantasy player points rebounds you know every now and then you'll get the defensive stats as well but I think if you're if you're chasing upside like if you're if you're in the middle of the pack or you're you're kind of lower down in your league I I wouldn't mind taking a chance on Simons because I think he's the best player and the highest upside guy in the deal
2: yeah these sort of deals like I end up just sort of going why what's the what's the purpose of it when you're doing a two for two and it's and it's even across the board I just think there are better deals to be. I think we're just making trades to make trades at that point.
1: Wow. Which you know I, what? I, hey, if I you want to do that, that,
2: you know what?
1: I sympathize with that. Right? It, it's tough if you're if you're in like a you know like the the rodeo stake league for example, sixteen teams. It's like there's you know you're, you'll you'll move up or down five spots at any given night, and it it's tough to sit there idly if you're if you're going in the wrong direction.
2: It's true. You know, if you're trying to send your team a message, then you yep. go ahead. Get it done.
1: Yeah, you got to think about the locker room, right? You know, what, what does Jeremy Grant mean to your team? Is he a veteran leader on that team? Uh, good point. We, we just talked about Fultz, but we'll address this one by uh, from Ian. Do I continue to keep Fultz on the IL in a 12-team 9-cat, or is he droppable? I, I got the sense from what you just said, Brandon, that you, you'd probably keep him in that slot for now.
2: Yeah, and, and, and I think he's going to put up numbers when he comes back. He'll be able to. It'll be somebody that'll fill up some of those categories that you need. What's amazing about what the Magic are doing right now, outside of the fact that they're doing it, or that they've won seven in a row, um, which they haven't done since Dwight Howard was on the roster, is that seven they're doing Oh, that's it? it? That's it. Wow. Seven. Yeah, 12 wins on the season. Um, incredible. And it should continue. They have two games against the Wizards coming up this week. But um, I know. We're looking at a 10-game winning streak coming up. What was that? Where was I going with that? Oh, they're doing it without a true point guard. I mean, Anthony Black is—I can't even say he's playing bad. Like, I don't—I don't even notice he's out there sometimes. He's not—he's not doing anything. And Cole Anthony's played great, but they're keeping his role to a sixth man off the bench, microwave scorer type. Um, so when Fultz comes back, he's as, as much as they're just winning no matter what. They need what he brings to the table. you got to have a point guard in the NBA if you're going to have sustained success.
1: All right. 10-team, 9-category league. Keontae George is available. Should I drop Ananobi or Jalen Williams for him? I would say no.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't do that.
1: No, I know Ananobi's been pretty disappointing so far. He's ranks actually outside... The top 100 which is pretty shocking you know the free throw percentage has been really bad uh he's you know hovering around 60 percent although he's These not really Raptors many. players
2: are just so disappointing this year
1: yeah unless you got scotty Barnes or i guess dennis Schroeder, uh, it's been pretty disappointing although siakam Siakam's gotten it together you know I, I complained a lot about him early in the season and his overall ranking is still not great partially because he's you know just not giving any defensive stats and uh, you know, the free throw percentage, I feel like every game he's like four for six from three or from, from the line. Um, But the counting stats have started to come back with him. I mean, again, it's not the value that you were hoping for, but I, I actually am pretty optimistic about Siakam. Yeah. And then Obi's tough. I mean, it's, I mean, that's a guy that you were drafting maybe as, what, as high as the fifth or sixth round. And, you know, to kind of, to cut bait on him for Keontae George would feel like selling at the absolute bottom. I, I'm very pro Jalen Williams. You know, I know he missed some time recently that, that maybe, um, you know, rub some people the wrong way, but I, I, I'm still still pretty high in him. I definitely would not drop Jalen Williams. Um, you know, I think the arrival, the arrival of Chet Holmgren, you know, has maybe rubbed a little bit of the upside off of Williams, but he's still, you know, to find a guy like him at his age, who's like guaranteed to shoot 50% from the field. And he's been an awesome free throw shooter at a a fairly high volume. Um, you know, 17, four and four every night on good percentages. I, I definitely would not cut bait there, but the Ananobi question is, is weirdly a fair one.
2: It is, and I get it. You know, when a guy heats up the way that Keontae George has, you want to get your hands on that. Uh, It's tempting, but is it sustainable? I just don't really know what we're chasing with him. Is Keontae George the kind of guy that's going to put your roster over the top? I don't think so. OG and Anobi at his best is one of those types of players, so as frustrating as it is, you know, unless you just – Like Nick said, I think that this all comes down to a lot of these questions. We'll repeat this as much as we need to, to just steady your minds out there. Um, A lot of this comes down to what does your team look like in terms of win-loss record? Are you on a streak in a negative direction and you just need to make a move to do something different? I totally get that. But if that's not the case, then uh, I just don't think Keontae George is going to keep up. What I think he's on a nice little stretch here, double-digit points in each of his last three, but I, I don't think that this is something that's that's uber sustainable um with all the mouths they have to feed in that Utah yeah. offense.
1: See I, I actually think it's fairly sustainable because I, I think this team's going in the wrong direction and I, I think he's gonna play a ton of minutes the rest of the way. I just the percentages, the turnovers in a nine category league, you know, I, I think he's he's gonna be a, a good player in terms of the when the counting stats are there, but you know, rookie guards just tend to not be good fantasy players. And I, I think on balance, you know, if you're asking like Who's the better fantasy player for the rest of the year? Who has a better chance to, to finish higher? It's got to be Ananobi, right? I mean, I think you have to look at this as kind of just a, a slow start. And, you know, maybe he gets moved. And and that might be for the best for, for Ananobi at this point. Who would you prefer rest of season? Tyus Jones or Chris Middleton in a nine-category Roto League? Tough? I If you think Middleton's staying healthy, I would definitely take Middleton. Um, like, he's still putting up decent numbers despite – playing 20 minutes a game, you know, he's still giving you 12, four and four. And, you know, I think eventually he gets to the point where maybe he's not playing 35 minutes a night, but even, even 28 minutes a night would be huge for Middleton.
2: Yeah, he, it's tough with Middleton because you, I mean, you can see the decline. So evident, but he's still at his best, a pretty good player, um, not shooting at a at a great percentage the three balls at 33 percent in terms of the the month of November it was even worse prior to that um it just feels like he's starting to decay a little bit too quickly for me and I like Tyus Jones um we've already seen the worst days for the Washington Wizards I mean it literally can't get any worse so if if you made it this far I think I'd stick with Tyus Jones
1: okay Okay, well, agree to disagree on that one. You know, Middleton has been it's been disappointing from three, but he's shooting like 70% in the mid-range, and that's, that's still carrying him to like 47% from the field overall. So that's been offset to some degree. If you look at the per-36 numbers, he's right in line with where he's been in his best seasons, right? I mean, hmm. per-36, he's had 22 points, almost eight rebounds, seven assists, 1.2 steals. I mean, that is right in line with what you think of for Chris Middleton before all the injuries set in. So if you're sticking with Chris – you, you, you have to accept the injury risk and, you know, at any point the knee could go in the wrong direction. But um, again, like, like you, like you always say, it kind of depends where you are in your league. And I, I think if you've been holding Chris Middleton to like punt on him now, you know, as he seems to be kind of ascending in the right direction, like he, I don't think he's going to play 22 minutes most nights, the rest of the season, like they're, they're going to bump that up at some point. Um, so I, I would chase that upside. James says, where do you think Levine will end up after the trade deadline to have him on my team? Should I trade him?
2: Ooh, I think you should wait. <laughs> he becomes much more valuable on a new roster, so it, yeah, we don't know. I mean, we'd be guessing at this point, but just that's just the way that it goes. Is when a guy gets traded, his his value soars because we all think so optimistically about what this guy's upside in a new offense could be and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would trade him the day he gets dealt. That would be my move. He's, yeah, holding I, up a, he's holding up a heat Jersey. I put him on the block. So you think,
1: you know, if he lands in Miami or he lands in Philly or Los Angeles, like that's a better situation than Chicago, because I mean, the bulls are a disaster and they play at a slow pace. I get all that, but I, I don't know if he's going to a team where it's like, all right, you're the number one option now. It's like, I, I think it would be, and you can make the argument that he's, you know, it's kind of a three-man team in Chicago, right. With Vucevic and, and DeRozan. Um, so, but if he goes to LA or he goes to Philly, it's like, you're you're playing alongside Embiid, you know, I think if anything, if he lands in Philly, that's, that's not good for Tyrese Maxey. That would, that would be a disappointment. Um, but you know, in general, it's like, is he going somewhere where he fits in similarly in terms of like the hierarchy and the offense?
2: Probably not, but I also think that his efficiency could see a boost. So, you know, you kind of get a playing for the bulls. Yeah. You can get a balance there, but I, I, I think in terms of changing overall values, it really is going to impact the guys that are playing around him more than him. A team that's trading for him. We've said this about Buddy Heald all the way through. If you're trading for Zach Levine, you're trading for something very specific. You're going to use him for that role. So he's still going to get his. And I think he can do it at a more efficient clip. But how does it impact the guys around him? We just don't know where he's going to go. So we're just we're just guessing.
1: Yeah. My guess is it is one of those teams. You, know, I think it's, I think it's a contending team. You know, I don't, I don't really see. I, I, I don't see think Philly's team. gonna
2: do it though. Philly's you know? kind of. I think Philly is is good where they're at. I really think that they they're happy to just run everything through mm-hmm. the two man game of Embiid and Maxi and just get contributions from the role guys. I get the, I get the impression that they're not gonna make a move like that. Miami, maybe because they've swung and missed so many times on stars, they'd make a move. And the Lakers are never out of it when it comes to a discussion like this. So I would say Lakers Heat feel like the most likely.
1: Uh, All right. We got a couple of Trey Murphy questions that will hit Uh, thoughts on Trey Murphy. Can he be in the top 75? Uh, That comes from Ian. And then Victor asks, you know, better rest of season, Bojan Bogdanovic. So we're talking Pistons or Trey Murphy in a points league. Uh, to that second question, I I would say maybe Bojan, you know, we had, we had Dan Titus, uh, one of of the great fantasy basketball minds on the, the XM show last night. He was pretty optimistic on Bogdanovich. I feel like it could go either way. You know, Detroit has been, Detroit's been such a disaster. They're four and 38 in their last 42 games. They're going for 15 straight losses tonight. Um, so you can kind of see it's like, is Bojan Bogdanovich the missing piece? I don't think so, but this is also kind of a delusional franchise, that might just throw him in there for 30 minutes tonight, and be like, Hey, we need, we need to raise our floor night to night. So in a points league, I, I think I might give slight favor to Bojan. Um, just, you know, be prepared for some sort of antics, whether that's like training him or his role, you know, going all over the place night to night. You know, the thing with Trey Murphy is he is very three point dependent. Uh, he's, a, he's an amazing three point shooter. He's high volume. He's over 40%. I, I think that should continue. Uh, but you know, the Pelicans are, are going to be a fascinating roster once he's back. And again, that could, that could come as soon as Friday against the Spurs. He's doubtful to play tonight. I don't think we see him on the court. Uh, we will get McCollum back, but but not Murphy. Uh, but he should be back within the next two or three games at worst. At that point, you know, you, you got McCollum, you got Jose Alvarado back in the mix. Obviously, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, Dyson Daniels, Jordan Hawkins. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan <laughs> might even be a part of this rotation. Najee Marshall, Zion. Like, I, I guess the, the overall question is, like, is there enough room for Trey Murphy to put up the type of season that he did last year when he saw 31 minutes a game?
2: No, and he put up some great numbers last year, but it's just simply not sustainable with the guys that they've got um, that you know are going to get theirs on that Pelicans squad. Um, he's got the uh, he's got the potential to do it. I think he'll be productive, but to ask for what he was able to produce last year is just simply unrealistic.
1: How much of that comes down to Zion specifically? You know, because I, I think nobody benefited more from Zion playing twenty nine games than Trey Murphy, who played seventy nine last year.
2: Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. And and Zion's playing well right now, so there's no reason to, to limit his minutes. Um, and you're getting McCollum back. Brandon Ingram's going to get his. And Alvarado. I mean, it's just... We talked about uh, guys like uh, Dyson Daniels. I mean, Jordan Hawkins has had positive moments with this team as well. So um, it's just is uh, there's so many mouths to feed. It's a good problem to have if you're a Pelicans fan, but right now in terms of uh, overall optimism for Trey Murphy, it, it's hard. It's hard to get there, but you know, you certainly like the player. So he's somebody I want on my roster, but I think you got to keep your expectations in check.
1: Okay. We got a few more and then we'll get out of here is Mike Conley, a must roster. Uh Depending on your league size, I would say, yes, you know, 10, 12 team league. He's, Probably should be rostered. Um, you know, he's thirty six at this point, so you do worry about that catching up to him at some point. But he played sixty seven games last year. He played seventy two the year before. Uh, you know, he had some injuries his first couple of years in Utah, but you know, for the most part, I think his game should age pretty well. We're, we're seeing you know more and more guys from from those like you know two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight drafts. You know, play later and later into their careers. Uh, you know, the assists are, are really the thing you're chasing here, and those have been there for the most part this year. He's been doing pretty well, racking up steals as well. Uh, you know, low volume on offense, but he's been pretty efficient. He did take 3 pointers last night. Uh, I, I would say he's a must roster for me. Yeah,
2: yeah, I like pieces of good teams, and the Minnesota Timberwolves are playing as good as anybody else. Uh, I don't know if there's if Anthony Edwards is going to miss any time. I'm not sure if that's a positive for him or not, just because of the yeah. distribution that uh, that you get from Mike Conley, but. You know, usage would certainly be up. Um, yeah, I like him, and and he's going to give you a couple steals per game too.
1: Yeah, the one thing with him is the, the free throws have completely dropped off, and that that happens to point guards later in their career. Uh, he's he's not missed a free throw this season, but uh, he also has you know barely taken any. He's only taken fourteen total free throws uh, in seventeen games, so losing some some value there. But in general, uh, I think you you want the assists, you want the steals, you want the dependability. Uh, speaking of Mike Conley. Asar Thompson and Keontae George, or OG and Conley in a nine-category league?
2: You know, after uh, glancing at Keontae George's stats over the last couple of games, I, I think I might be slightly intoxicated. We're um, getting a lot of questions about him. But Asar Thompson, I love what he's been able to do this mm-hmm. year with the Pistons. It seems like, I mean, he's a guy that's just going to give you He's gonna give you defensive production like not a lot of other players, certainly at his youth, are going to in the NBA. Uh, I, I don't want to trade Asar Thompson, so that makes it easy for me. And I get the scoring with Keontae George, so that's gotta be the side.
1: Yeah, got it two schools of thought here, right? You got basically two rookies versus two established veterans who have been, you know, have, have the track record who've been better fantasy players throughout their career. But yeah, it's tough to it's tough to part ways with the star Thompson right now. I mean, in a category league, there are some pitfalls, obviously, you know, the percentages and, you know, the fact that he just can't shoot threes whatsoever is uh, a problem, but uh, I think there is a little bit more upside on that side of it. Uh, do you think it's time to get rid of Josh Giddy? My replacement choices are Jaden, Ivey, Cole, Anthony, and DeAndre Hunter.
2: Ooh. Um, well, Cole's playing great. DeAndre Hunter's playing great. So yeah,
1: I, I don't want Ivy. Like I, I know he's playing more yep. lately. I don't. I just don't trust the Pistons with him. And he's also a better real life player than fantasy player. So I don't. I would not drop Giddy for Ivy. And you know, obviously, there's the off the court stuff that could be a part of this. My read on it right now is like I don't. I just don't see a suspension or anything coming in the near future. You know, there's all kinds of random reporting. Most of it coming from like TMZ and BSO and stuff. So like, I don't know what to believe with that. But I I think if the Thunder thought this was like a major problem that they wouldn't have thrown him out there the other night. You know, to me that, that says a lot that all this, you know, kind of broke over Thanksgiving weekend and obviously everybody was aware of it and Giddy got asked about it at practice and they still played him the other night. You know, I I think that would have, that would have sent a little bit more fear into me if they, if they held him out. I I think they feel pretty confident that he's going to be on the right side of this, whatever, whatever that actually means. Um, But yeah, I I think Cole Anthony and Deandre Hunter versus Giddy in a vacuum, if we just remove that from the equation, that, that becomes a more interesting question.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not like Giddy. You take the off the court stuff out of it, which could become part of the equation, makes this question a lot more, uh, a lot easier to answer. But if you remove that, it's not like Giddy's been lighting it up. So, right. uh, I, I don't think you probably drafted him. He's not quite living up to his ADP at this point. I think, as of, I'd have a hard time getting rid of Josh Giddy just because he is such an incredible player, and if there is no suspension. You know, he's probably going to see much better days ahead than what he's giving you right now. But, yeah, I mean, flip a coin. Cole Anthony, DeAndre Hunter, I'd love to roster both of those guys.
1: I, w- I would go Hunter first, um, with the caveat that, you know, you got a month here without Jalen Johnson. And that's, I think, when you're really going to make your make your bones on Hunter. And there's going to be probably a, a reduction after that. Um, you know, with with Cole Anthony, you just worry about what happens when Fultz comes back.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think his roles his roles pretty much solidified. Especially if he if he continues to score the basketball the way that he has, they're not going to limit his minutes because Markel Fultz is back in the in the rotation because they play a completely different style. Fultz is going to distribute, Cole is going to score, and for a team that struggles on the offensive end, they haven't been lately, but um, that's going to be their issue whenever they do end up. Settling back closer to the mean of what they are, they need what Cole Anthony provides, and he's been a much better defender too. So it's starting to show up a little bit in the stats. But I can just tell you from from watching him up close and personal, it's it's a part of his game. He's put a lot of energy and emphasis into getting better at.
1: Uh, All right, two more. Justin asks Cam Thomas, rest of season outlook once he returns. (laughs) This is so so difficult because he's such a unique player. Um, You know, Brooklyn they're hanging around they're nine and eight right now like i think they're going to be in that play and mix so ultimately you know i, th- I think it's not just going to be a all right go get your numbers situation like i think they're still going to prioritize winning games uh camp thomas for what it's worth did not play last night against toronto seems like he's getting close could be back thursday uh you know they play saturday against orlando as well um you know I, I, like when he was going on his run earlier in the season you know camp camp johnson have been out of the lineup. They had a few other injuries, you know, Ben Simmons, who knows if, or when he's coming back. Uh, You know, I, when when it comes to Cam Thomas, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing from a fantasy perspective, because you're really, you're really just chasing the points, the threes and the free throws, uh, which are valuable categories. Right. And I I think even if he's, even if he's playing reduced minutes, uh, you know, in a bench role, like we saw at times last season, like he could still pretty easily get you 20 plus a night. So I'm, I'm optimistic, man. I mean, I, I think he's somebody that we always knew had this ability. And, you know, in the past, they they never really threw him out there. I think there were some defensive concerns, some continuity concerns, but, you know, it was encouraging to me that they, they were willing to, you know, play him 30 plus minutes per game to start the year
2: yeah I mean you are chasing points, but he's also a guy that's worth chasing in that category. Uh, there aren't a lot of players in the NBA that can that even have the ability to put up 40 plus and he is right. one of them. so I'm a sucker for his production. I think he's somebody I would definitely uh, hang on to target you know yeah. however it is you're you're viewing that as you look for the outlook.
1: Okay, last one. do you think scoot Henderson could pick it up soon and perhaps be a top 100 player at least this season uh, and our guy is playing in a nine category league? I, I think we'll see plenty of flashes. I think he will pick it up. I think there will be weeks where he looks really good. I would be pretty surprised if Scoot Henderson finishes the year inside the top 100, especially in a nine-cat league. I don't I don't really see that being the case. Uh, you know, I think turnovers are, are going to continue to be an issue. I mean, how many games has he played? He's played eight games this season. He's had at least four turnovers in five of those games, playing fairly limited minutes. Um, I, I just, you know, the guys around him in, in Portland aren't really going to help, especially when Sanfordy e. Simons is back. You know, I think that takes away some of the scoring upside. So I I think we're going to come out of this season like feeling pretty good about Scoot, the player going forward. I don't see us, you know, looking back and saying, wow, what, what a great second half. He's, you know, he finished yeah. 88th in fantasy. Like, I just, I don't, I, it, rookie guards in general, like that, it just doesn't happen. Even, even rookie guards who play really well, uh, just it, it, those, those guys don't finish high in fantasy.
2: Yeah. I know we didn't get a, a large look at a large sample of him in the summer league, but what I saw, I mean, it just makes me not want to watch it anymore because I I just get drunk off of this limited information that we have. And he looked amazing, uh, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily translate to, um, to the NBA regular season and he hasn't put it together yet. He's not getting the minutes and, um, and we just haven't seen that level of production. So while I certainly believe in the player and he's a guy that I might stubbornly hold on to a little bit longer, uh, the most likely scenario is that he finishes outside of the top 100.
1: Here's some context on that, Brandon uh, Anthony Edwards, as a rookie, nine category per game value, he finished 117th. You know, and it's Scoot Henderson has the potential maybe for more assists than Anthony Edwards did, but. I felt like a pretty damn good rookie season for Anthony Edwards and he still finished outside the top one fifteen. Like it, it just doesn't happen very often. Like rookies in general, but especially rookie guards, you know, and especially in nine category leagues, you you just don't see many guys step in as like really good fantasy assets right away. Even if the county stats are there.
2: Yeah, it's tough. That's a hard, it's a really hard position to excel in early on in your NBA career.
1: Yeah. Okay. We got one more coming in under the gun here from Daniel Terry Rozier or Miles Bridges? Should I keep both or drop one to pick up Cam Johnson? It's in an eight-team league. That's got to be fun. you got to feel pretty good about your roster. In I think league. it's so. I yeah. I would not drop Miles Bridges. Uh, I think he's got too much upside. I would take him over Cam Johnson. Rozier versus Johnson is, is an interesting one, though.
2: Yeah, with the LaMelo ball injury, I don't think I would drop either. Let me see how this one shakes out, and uh, and we'll see who ends up with the most production with him not on the floor. But my guess is Rozier is going to do pretty well, and I agree. Miles Bridges, his upside, he's looked really good as of late, mm-hmm. and um, and it looks like Steve Clifford's getting more comfortable with involving him in that offense.
1: Yeah, I would probably stick with, with those two. I mean – Rosier versus Cam, I think it's going to be really, really close. I think for the next month, you might want Rosier. I think for the balance of the season, you might want Cam Johnson. Uh, I think the percentages with Cam, you know, that's that's what might sway me. Uh, You know, Rosier is not a great free throw shooter; takes a decent amount. Cameron Johnson, you know, could be like close to ninety percent at the line. You know, should be more efficient, you know, as a shooter as well. And um, I think Rosier could average more points, but I I think the efficiency with Johnson might push him over the top. So I would I would go Cam Johnson and Miles Bridges if I'm picking two of those three. All right, Brandon, let's get out of here, man. Uh, Fun chat with you, as always. Uh, Thank you to everybody who who gave us some great questions in the chat. We always appreciate that. Uh, You can go back. You can listen to the archived version over on YouTube, Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Channel. Uh, Please like, subscribe. Uh, We're trying to build that out as as big as we can this season. You can also check out the audio version of the pod uh, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Brandon, Good stuff as always, man. Enjoy your remaining week of Orlando Magic coverage, and we'll check in next Wednesday.
2: Sounds good. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. Hope everybody had a good uh, Thanksgiving.